108,000. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name. He has power over life and death Every knee will bow and tongue confess Heaven and earth will proclaim That Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of the Father Will you bow, will you surrender To His majesty He can save you from the might of all your sin the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm While you 
have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter From the coming storm Normal Christian living is today normal worldly living. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm told that I should not judge, that only God knows the heart. And while that is true, and I am not to judge, But I must confront wickedness, and I must confront those who claim to be followers of Jesus, but obviously are followers of the darkness. Now, there is a great deception in the land today. We have a false gospel, a false Jesus. Oh, it's very emotional, sentimental. It's very attractive to the the flesh. But it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of demons. I'll read for you. Hebrews, the third chapter. See to it, brothers, in verse 12, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. See to it that you do not have a sinful heart. Because if you do, you will turn away from the living God. Verse 13, but encourage one another daily. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to judge you. I'm trying to encourage you as long as it's called today so that none of you who listen to this broadcast will be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Verse 14, we have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. What was the confidence at first? The confidence in the New Testament church was that the blood of Jesus Christ completely washes away the guilt, the stain, and the sin of any man who will come and believe the gospel, and walk in it in obedience to the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts 
as you did in the rebellion. That's to the children of Israel, but we are in a time of the hardening of the hearts of America. Modern church wants the entertainment. They want the beautiful music. Today, if a a man wants to preach about godliness, if he wants to preach about revival, if he what's he have to do? Well, he has to get a popular name band, a recognized music group. And then people will come to hear the music, and they might stick around to hear a little bit of the preacher. That's what's going on in today's American Christian culture that is evil. Let's call it what it is. It's evil. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest? if not to those who disobeyed. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief or their lack of faith combined with obedience. Now we come to chapter 4 in the book of Hebrews, and there he begins to talk about a place of rest, a place of such intimacy with Jesus, and that's what I want. I want for you and for me a place of wonderful rest in Jesus, a place of intimacy to know and experience the love of God in that place. It is not going to be found in praise and worship music. In fact, If you want to destroy the work of the Holy Spirit in your fellowship or in your church, just spend 30, 40, 45, an hour in the simple ditties of today's praise and worship. The Holy Spirit will depart. And then when the preacher stands up, he's going to have to tell some jokes. He's going to have to pull the congregation around and try to bring some inspiration to their hearts. but the Holy Spirit won't be there. Chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest, and the word rest means to stop. But if you dig deeper into that word rest, cessation, it means the place of repose, the place of lying down. And if this is the place of his rest, we're talking about God's bedroom where we come into such intimacy with God, oneness with Jesus. We're in him and he's in us. It says, for we also have had the gospel preached to us. Well, what do we normally call the gospel? Don't we say it's the good news of the kingdom of Jesus Christ? That's the gospel. The good news 
of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The kingdom, not meaning a geographic kingdom, but coming under the authority and the power of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in this wicked, wicked nation. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard did not combine it, or they did not share in the faith of those who obeyed. Now we also have believed and enter the rest, just as God said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So I want you to see this. There is a place of rest, and there is a place of refusal where God will not allow you to enter into his rest. In all honesty, many of you, This one man, he said to me, Pastor, I don't know how to handle it. My friends invite me to go out, and so we go out and we get something to eat. And then when we're finished, they say, come on, it won't hurt you. Let's go to the strip club. So he ends up going to the strip club. He knows it's wrong but he has something to drink. And then there's one particular stripper that he thinks is really, really pretty. So he gives her money. Then he goes outside and she comes out to meet him. And they make love. But it's not love. It's lust. And it's wicked. So it comes back to me and he says, Pastor, I couldn't help myself. I said, wrong. If you keep going to the barber shop, you're going to get a haircut. If you keep going to the strip clubs, you are going to do what you did. The devil knows that if he can just get people to dress, in a very suggestive, sexual manner, either men or women, and put them in the right place at the right time, they are going to succumb. Now, when this man is with me, he's eager for prayer. He's eager for repentance. He's eager to walk straight and clean in Jesus. But when he's with his friends, He wants to go to the casino with him. He wants to go to the strip club with him. He doesn't want to be rejected by his friends. So he's wishy-washy. He'll go whichever way the wind is blowing. If he's with me, he'll go toward righteousness. If he's with his friends, he'll go toward sexual uncleanness. There are a lot of you like that. 
You will blow with the wind however it's going. You will go that direction. Oh, I'm a Christian until you're not. And then, oh, Jesus, forgive me. I couldn't help myself. I just got caught up and I was a little bit drunk and I couldn't help myself. Wrong. You're responsible. You made the decisions. You acted on those decisions. And those decisions will take you straight into the pit of hell. Oh, but pastor, I was at another church. And they told me that I could never stop sinning. That that God loves me unconditionally. Why are you telling me that I'm going to end up in hell if I continue doing this? Pastor, who's right? Well, why don't you read the scriptures and find out who's right? I want to enter fully into the rest of Jesus Christ. Why is it rest? Because in Jesus, there is peace, there is love, there is rest. There is righteousness. There is holiness. There is not the unclean. After you've been with Jesus, you don't wake up in the morning with a headache or a hangover. You don't wake up in the morning feeling dirty because you know what you did the night before. You wake up and your heart is praising Jesus and you're worshiping him. Listen, I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Who was he talking about? The children of Israel, God's people. He was talking about his people who were out in the wilderness. There were no cities to go play. There were no strip joints to go to. There was no bar to go and get drunk. So what's he talking about? He's talking about something that goes on in our hearts before a holy God. Let me take you further. And yet his work, that's God's work, has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he's spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from all of his work. Well, what did he do on the eighth day, and the ninth day, and the tenth day? His work was finished. What he wanted was full-time fellowship with his bride-to-be. But Satan came and stole his bride. And now we have the whole history of the earth with man struggling with whether he will be the bride of Christ or the bride of the devil. And many of you who think you're independent, you can do what you want to do, you can go where you want to go, you can think what you want to think, and you're loved unconditionally. Right. You'll find yourself the bride of the devil in hell. The deception is so deep. Verse 6, it still remains that some will enter that rest. 
and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Look. The way you live matters. It will determine where you spend your future. It will determine the fellowship you share while you're here on this earth. And it will determine where you will spend your eternity. Are you going to be wishy-washy and float this way and that way? I know people who don't want to be with me. Why don't they want to be with me? Because they know that when they're with me, they feel drawn toward heaven. And they know that that's not exactly where they want to put their feet down yet. They're roaming. And please, I understand. For many years, I was a roamer. I wanted to go and watch the movie I wanted to see. I wanted to to go and read the novels that I wanted to read. I wanted to to watch the games that I wanted to watch. Oh, but I was a Christian, and I was a pastor, and I was going to go to heaven. But I lived my life my way. I was deceived. I was deceived. I'm not a roamer anymore. Please, some of you are roaming You're walking around out in the world like it's your bowl of cherries, not realizing the devil is right there at the door waiting to devour you. So you roam around. You pick up this and you pick up that, this little trinket and that little trinket. I know a precious woman who all she wants to do is go out and do some shopping, have some food, Watch what she wants to watch. And then at night, God gives her these stunning dreams, confronting her and telling her, this is what's going to happen. And she says to me, I know what's going to happen, and I'm scared. Well, you don't need to be scared if you enter into the rest of God. Fear comes from the devil, not from the Lord Jesus. So those sinful Roaming steps have to be cut off. You're no longer your own. You were bought at a price. That's what the word says. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. I know. I spoke about this yesterday. If you have not watched yesterday's broadcast entitled Asbury Happening, please go back and watch that. What happened there and what continues to happen at some level is what the American church is doing a form of godliness, but no power. Now, if these students had been led 
a right by their president and their pastoral leadership instead of encouraging them to just stand and sing songs and wait for God's love, if instead they had encouraged that whole body to get on their face for 10 days and pray and repent, it would have been a totally different outcome. And I can guarantee you if they had done that, the revival would not have ended. There are reasons why revival's in. You go back to Brownsville, it's very clear why Brownsville blew up. They began in the leadership team fighting for power. They began taking advantage of the sales of mugs and T-shirts and videos for their own profit. And God left. And the one who preached has passed. He's gone. Revivals end for a reason. It's not God's will that a revival should ever end. But continue drawing in more and more people. That's what happened in the New Testament church. More and more people were drawn in to the Holy Spirit, to the presence of Jesus. Revival is the normal life of the church. It's not something that comes once in a blue moon. It is the work of the Holy Spirit going forth and the blood of Jesus making clean the people of God. Joshua, in verse 8, had given them rest. Joshua couldn't bring them into rest. God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now that has very special meaning to me because I was born and raised in a very conservative Seventh-day Adventist home. And we observed the Sabbath from Friday night sundown until Saturday night sundown. Worship at the beginning and worship at the end with no work done on the Sabbath on this farm. I loved it because I didn't have to go and hoe the garden. I didn't have to do the work of taking care of that big garden, picking the beans, picking the tomatoes, canning. It was a day of rest, a cessation. It was a day for studying nature, for nature walks. It was a day for reading the scriptures, for going to church. It was a day of worship and family enjoyment, one with another. It says there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, a place where you dwell in the presence of God and in everything he calls you to do. He will be there right in the midst of it. Right now, I'm in a time of rest with Jesus. He's told me, wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. And then Jesus said to me, Ray, enter my rest. I know what he means. 
live in him, rest in him, wait upon him. And he will, he will lead and order what's to happen. In obedience to him, I do this radio broadcast. I call you to revival. If anyone who enters, verse 10, God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. So you give up trying to make your life work. You give up trying to make your house sell. I remember I lived in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I paid 13% interest. That will date it. And I needed to sell it. And so I put it on the market with the realtor at the price they suggested. It didn't sell. She said, it's a bad time to sell a house, Pastor. It didn't sell. It didn't sell. And finally, my wife and I came together and we said, look, the Lord has told us to sell this house and to use the money in a very specific way for the work of the gospel. That we were to rent and use the money for the work of the gospel. And so we prayed and we said, Lord, you told us to sell the house and we repent for getting a realtor. You'll sell the house. So the realtor came by, and we said to her, we want you to raise the price by $10,000. And she looked at me like I had lost my mind. I said, no, I'm serious. Raise the price by $10,000, and the house will immediately sell. That's what the Lord told me. So we raised the price, $10,000. That night, a couple came by. They said, we love your house. We'll give you asking price, $10,000 higher than price had been before. What was God doing? He was financing what he was calling us to do. He was paying for it. That's one of God's ways. When we rest in Jesus and take his direction and let him lead us, He will open the way before us. It says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience or their example of faithlessness. For the word of God, is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. There's no hiding from God. 
problem come? When we're deceived. And we don't know we're deceived. And we argue for the deception that we've been given. And we reject the truth of God when it comes to us. Do you all understand? I'm not my own. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Jesus Christ owns you if you have given yourself into his hand. And now every decision is to be weighed out in the prayer closet and in the scriptures. The word of God, the logos of God, is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. That's the scripture is living and active. For some of you, it's boring, dry. Do you know why? Because your mind has been seared by Hollywood. Your mind has been seared by the lust for money or the lust for success. Your heart has been filled with everything of the devil's table. That doesn't mean that the word of God is not living and active. It just means you can't perceive it. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, but you handle it casually, not even imagining that that sword could cut you and you could bleed to death. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit. You understand? Soul is your personality. Your spirit is what gives you the direction. It's the inner control of your whole life. And this sword comes and divides your soul and your spirit so that your spirit in Jesus Christ can rule you and you won't go with your personality. Joints and marrow. Your bones separates even your bones and the inside of your bones. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I've had people in my life, people that I dearly loved and still do and pray for. They love Jesus. They read the word. But they don't let that sword come in and separate them from their pride. And so they're stubbornly going forward in what they believe. And when I confront that, and I call them to let go of that pride and that hardness of heart, several have gotten so angry with me they've walked away. Have nothing to do with me. I don't hear from them. They don't hear from me. I don't even know their address. They've walked away. 
Why? Pride. Hardness of heart. I'm right. Jesus is right. I'm not right. Jesus is right. And I have to speak his word honestly, faithfully, even though it may offend. You may think, oh, pastor, you're judging this. No. No, I'm outlining what the scripture gives us and tells us the way to come into the presence of God is through prayer, real prayer, confession, repentance, turning away from it, being done with it. How do you repent of pride when it's your joy? When being right is your joy, you've been deceived. How do you deal with it? Be very self-righteous and very correct in many ways. But pride is what takes us down. We need that double-edged sword to come in, penetrate, and divide the soul and the spirit of our heart. Because nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I hope you got that. Everything is going to be laid bare before God, and we will not be able to stand there and not answer his questioning of us because we will be held accountable for what we have done and said, especially the pride and arrogance of our heart, the harsh judgment of others we will be held accountable for that. Therefore, because we're going to be held accountable, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. that we may find help in our time of need. And I would add out of the context of this passage of Scripture in the fourth chapter of Hebrews, that we would walk in obedience. We would not harden our hearts. We would not walk in any known sin before God. 
but we would walk clean, separated unto Jesus, walking in faith and victory. We have a great high priest. Jesus Christ is my high priest. And he walked without sin on this earth. He sympathizes with our weakness, but he does not patronize us in our weakness. He wants to make us strong. He wants to plant our feet in heaven. He wants to make us courageous in saying, No, no, to the devil and to our own personalities. Let's pray. Lord, I come to teach about righteousness. Because I know it is your righteousness that enters into our hearts and totally transforms us and makes us into new creatures. And I know without that righteousness from you entering into us, Jesus. Lord, the Apostle Paul taught us that righteousness from the law will not save us, that it must be righteousness from a new source, from the cross where you bled for us, and that you give to us the gift of righteousness. You teach us about how to walk. You teach us and train us to tell good from from evil. Lord, I come today recognizing that the delusions, the deceptions are so clever in the church today that many have no power against the enemy. They're swept away time after time after time, or they stand like rigid poles in their pride with hardness of heart. I'll do it my way. Don't rebuke me. Oh, Lord, I come today. I come today, Lord, saying, I need you, Jesus. I need you to come in great power and great authority. I need you to come in righteousness and holiness. Lord, we have lived as Americans in the luxury of the world. We have lived with the delusions that we're saved and we're on our way to heaven when, in fact, we're not saved. We've been deceived. We've been sold a bill of goods by by preachers who were also deluded and sold a bill of goods. But not unto salvation. So, Lord, we'd rather come together 
and sing songs. We'd rather come and worship and praise you. But in our sin, we're unfit to sing praises and we're unfit to come into your presence. And so we're shut out. And so we sing our ditties and give ourselves our own love. But we're shut out of heaven because we won't pray. We won't confess our sin because nobody ever taught us we should pray and confess our sin. Lord, would you change that? Lord, would you change that today in the Christian church in America? Would you bring about circumstances that will put your church on their face before you and know that if you do not come and save them, they will be swept away in the darkness and in the wickedness of this age of complete deception? Lord, your church. I lift your church before you. I know the church is the apple of your eye. I know you love your church. And you're jealous for your church. But Lord, when you come, will you find faith on the earth? Will you find a people waiting for you? Who've made a covenant by sacrifice to die and take up their cross every day and follow you? and pay whatever price is necessary to remain in your place of rest? Lord, everything the enemy has, he's going to throw at us. Right now, he's throwing at us a false revival, a deception, mixed with evil. Lord, please come. Open mine eyes that I might see. Oh, Lord, open our hearts that we could see. Please, Lord, come with power that your gospel will mean something to us that we will take a stand and take a hold of your real gospel of righteousness and be transformed and changed into your likeness, that we'd not be satisfied with the devil's gospel, for it's a false gospel and a false Jesus, a flesh-pleasing Jesus. Lord, come and crucify us. Come and finish this work in our hearts. Lord, I pray for those who only long to sing songs, but who don't want to pray. Lord, I've noticed painfully that when your people gather, usually, they won't really pray because they don't know how. They've had no practice. But ask them 
You want to sing a song? Oh, yes, let's sing a song. Lord, would you break this flesh-pleasing habit among those who call themselves Christians? Lord, how is it possible that the wicked American church can be satisfied with a praise and worship service with their bands and their their guitars? How is that possible, Lord? What an abomination to you. Lord, give the American church the ability to put away its foolishness, to close down its bands, to get the drums out, and to make room for a mourner's bench, for people to get on their faces and pray. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. Luke 9, 23, then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must disown himself and take up his anchor Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I'm not ashamed of the word of God. I'm not ashamed to come to you and say, foolish music will not bring you into the presence of God. The only thing that will bring you into the presence of God is honest confession and prayer, repentance dealing with God and getting washed by his blood and the righteousness of Jesus to powerfully enter your life and separate you from the world. We've got to get separate from the world and cut it off. Well, I'd like to hear from you. Write to me, Pastor Ray Greenley. National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, brothers and sisters, I don't come here to just pour out my heart and not have you respond. If you do that, your heart will grow increasingly cold. Get some skin in the game. If you're in the Washington metro area, come and worship with us and begin to walk out this walk with us in Jesus and pray with us for revival. If you're out of the metro area, then write to me. 
support the work of the gospel. Don't pull back, but step forward. This is the work of Jesus. It's not my work. It's not my broadcast. I speak the words he puts in my mouth, honestly, straightforward, with tender love and compassion for you. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. That's nationalprayerchapel.com. Thank you, Rodney. Thank you, Dirk. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Mike. Thank each one of you who is so kindly giving. You've got some skin in the game. Pray for me. Pray for me. I'm tired. I need rest. I'm entering the rest of Jesus. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I hope to meet you soon. I'll talk with you tomorrow. Blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. With great joy Now unto him who is able To keep you from falling And to present you blameless Before the presence of